And uh, one of the reasons I love the Catskills so much is because they're so technical that you can't really think. You have to go you have to transcend thinking and enter flow state where you are literally able to react quicker than your prefrontal cortex can actually process information. So like flow state is the superior, it's not even a thought process. It's a, it's just a, a brain function where you can, where you can act in a superior manner to actually like thinking, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's like, you see that rock, but you don't even like, you're not really thinking about putting your foot there. You just do. And you, and then the next one, you're just flowing, floating over the train. You're not like intellectualizing like, Oh, here's a rock there and there. And that one's mossy. Like it all happens so quick. And it's such a fun, unique state of mind to be in yeah and that's you know that's the way i i see it with you guys is basically you know you're you're running down the trail you're going down on the descent and you're just like you have that adrenaline rush like man i'm making some freaking good time and then you get that huge adrenaline rush Bushwhacks were some of uh, the worst days I've ever had in the mountains, or life, really. Whereas Panther Mountain is totally opposite, it's a mountain on top of a crater. I think the weather challenges on this incident were particularly difficult. It is really the development of New York State. Catskills were responsible. Now you're listening to Inside the Line, the Catskills. So, Josh, welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing? Muchas gracias. Very well, man. It's funny. You thought I was in, a, in an airplane when I first came on here, but I am indeed <laughs> coming to you from a tin can that is my bus. Where, where are you at right now? Uh, I'm parked outside of a, a gym in Durango. Going to hop in for an easy workout after this and they got good wi-fi actually i'd be going inside but it's probably louder in there wow Un the unbelievable so where's that located again you in colorado yeah durango is uh southwest colorado it's pretty neat it's like the way i explain it, it's kind of like where the desert meets the mountains so if i drive 30 minutes south it's pretty flat uh and you start seeing some pretty cool like western looking rock formations uh you know like from like spaghetti westerns and whatnot but then i can drive uh 50 minutes north and be in silverton you know where hard rock takes place with 13,000 foot 14,000 foot mountains so it's a pretty nice spot wow what a life man what a life that that's number one that smile on your face shows that you are living the life right there i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with it i also got my my partner on the on the floor i'll keep her private but she's uh she's in here working with me so i got a pretty good life living in here with her so i mean you can't keep that secret what's going on what with your partner your cat dog <laughs> no it's my girlfriend <laughs> no, oh, well, tell her I said hi. Stosh says hi. Stosh says hi, Abs. I can see you. Abs, Jesus, Abs man. <laughs> what an incredible life, man. I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> it's good. Well, it's kind of funny, man, because when I was, uh, I would daydreamed a bunch when I was like in middle school, and I just look out the window and think, like, how can I be free? You know, I didn't, I was just kind of looking forward to the future of like college and stuff. And like, the, I like, I love my parents, but I wasn't really into their job and their lifestyle. I thought like, there's gotta be kind of more to it. So I always daydreamed about how to yeah, be free. And then I kind of had some shitty jobs and some good jobs, you know, through my twenties while I was watching some friends, I had some friends that went to uh, ESF, like environmental uh, science and forestry school in Syracuse. And they would 
they'd go study forestry and then like all summer they would just go dirt bag and rock climb uh like in moab for two months straight and just live out of their truck i was like that is the coolest shit and uh and it kind of came just kind of ended up coming around like with covid i was personal training and then i found the opportunity to do remote coaching so it's like okay i have my computer i have my phone i can work anywhere i can be anywhere i'm and just like some other life circumstances happen i was like i moved into my van i can work from wherever the hell i want to be you know go up to the white mountains and have some fun up there and uh yeah then i ended up out here so yeah i can i can travel around i can work all i need is wi-fi wow unbelievable i'm so jealous man Con- congratulations what a what a life man <laughs> i appreciate it man but i got it's the disclaimer you know there's always like the trade-offs you know i see like you're in a room you're in a house maybe you have air conditioning maybe you have like temperature <laughs> control and good bathrooms you know there's all that shit that you got so there's there's some trade-offs there you know it's hot as hell in here right now and uh <laughs> you know uh, you still got like going to gyms and whatnot or whatever to use a shower or find a nice creek so there's trade-offs there but the freedom's there that's smart though. That is very smart. You know, like my, my friend was talking about that on previous episode was just like, you know, you pay, you know, a $40 fee and you can work out and you can also shower and go to the bathroom and stuff. So, you know, very good, very good, smart man, Josh. Wow. I'm jealous. So Josh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're, you're too familiar with the, the Catskill region, but you know, uh, a lot of shit has been happening in the Catskills in the past like week or two. I always expect this stuff coming from the Adirondacks, like rescues here and there, you know, rain, stuff like that, hypothermia. But the the Catskills is where it's happening with these rescues. So I'm going to talk about a bunch of rescues. Chime in whenever you want, please. You know, you, you've done the Catskills before and you know basically the rugged terrain that they have and the unexpected stuff that we we have here. So um, let's talk about August 12th uh, in Hunter, Lieutenant Slade, Ranger Dawson, Ranger Spock, Fox responded to a report of a hiker with a leg injury along Catarsk Creek stream bed. So, of course, you know, you think Catarsk Creek, you instantly think of falling asleep because everybody talks, everybody goes there. I've, so I've jumped it years ago. I jumped it. Yeah. Did you do a flip? I, I think I did a backflip off of it i wasn't cool enough to do a gainer i didn't have the balls to do that yet but uh but yeah I just like the lower just the lower platform i'm pretty sure there was like some 60 year old that went up uh like on the side of it and then climbed a tree you know to get up another 25 30 feet and then dropped in it's like shit man i remember pretty that. badass but but i feel like things changed i stopped going and i feel like someone said there had been a lot more debris in there like maybe like rot like rocks had fallen or trees had kind of gone over and it maybe wasn't safe to jump anymore so man i haven't been there in a decade Correct. And, you know, people are also inexperienced uh, as you and that that 60-year-old guy. Um, this guy was 38 years old from Colorado. You sure this wasn't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're younger than that, aren't you? How old is that guy? 38. 38. Yeah, I'm younger. Yeah, but Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Dawson, uh, Ranger Dawson bushwhacked down the steep terrain and reached a patient around 3.30. So that was about two hours it took him to to reach him. Provided first aid and crutches, and Ranger Dawson helped the subject and his family through the woods up a steep slope through 28 23A, where Slade and Ranger Fox provided a courtesy ride. So, once again, falling asleep, crazy. So, uh, August 14th, Ranger responded to report to an, uh, an injured swimmer that falling asleep. When they arrived, the 21 year old was at the roadside awaiting assistance. She was 
taken by ambulance to the Albany Medical Center. Once again, fall asleep. This was last week. I, I mentioned this, but I, I didn't know the details. So details came out. So once again, fall asleep, crazy. Um, what, what was her injury? Uh, they just said she was at roadside assistance. So I'm guessing she mm. like jumped off, rolled an ankle or something like that. It was nothing serious. So good. that's good. Very good. So same day, town of Lexington. Alwyn received a call from Frost Valley YMCA director about a camper who fell 10 feet off a rock face at John Rod Lean 2. So John Rod Lean 2 is right off of the Hunter Mountain Trail in Spruceton. So uh, one of the members was a wilderness first responder, which is good. Alwyn Fox Peterson and assistant forest ranger Zelnick reached the 11-year-old from Brooklyn at 1.30 p.m. So 11 years old. I'm probably taking chances of just sitting on the edge and actually fell off. Have you ever been to the John Rob lean to Josh? I'm trying to think of where that, that is. I've, I know the lean to up on Hunter. Like if you go up from two fourteen, you pass the split where you kind of go up to the tower, say straight on devil's path. And then I know there's a lean to right there. Is that the one? There's another one. If you go to the split to the right, that leads you down to another lean to that has an amazing overlook of the Spruceton Valley. No. Oh, shit. No, I haven't been to that one. Definitely, if you're out in here, take that uh, opportunity and go out and check that view and maybe spend a night there. I would suggest during the week because their weekend is absolutely insane. But Oh, dude, you're telling me. <laughs> so uh, the patient had a back injury and complained of pain while speaking. The Rangers stabilized the camper in a vacuum mattress and a litter and carried it out in the Rangers vehicle. So, of course... Being a fire tower, they could drive up and make it easier for the Rangers instead of carrying out. Um, drove to the trailhead, uh, Ashland Ambulance and Green County Paramedics and Lexington Rescue uh, responded at 5.16 p.m. Ash, uh, Ashland Ambulance transported the patient to the hospital. So once again, crazy stuff. Uh, town of Hunter, Green County, on August 19th. For, uh, Rangers France and Mitchell reported to a Moores Bridge Falls report of a subject stuck in the water. Wow. Moores Bridge is also is down south from Fawn's Leap, a little bit further down 23A. Twin Cloves Technical Rescue Team, which is an awesome team from the area of Hunter and Rangers, reached the subject by 6 p.m. So it took around one and a half hours for them to get there. 26-year-old from Bayside was stuck in a crevasse and rescuers freed her from the crevasse and raked her for a high-angle rope rescue and system to help her off stream. Uh, the Hunter Ambulance res- transported the subject to the hospital at 7.20 p.m. So crazy instance once again with a crevasse, and uh, luckily that person did not uh, unfortunately pass away like the, the 16-year-old did on Fawn's Leap when they got caught in the current and got stuck between a crevasse and and died uh, on August 14th. That was a crazy, crazy incident. So once again, man, this is this Catterskill Clove area is absolutely freaking prone to, to injuries. Yeah, man. I haven't been up there in a couple of years now, really, because uh, I have spent a lot of time in the Catskills. Like I grew up in Red Hook right on the Hudson River across from the, the Catskills, but I didn't even get in, in there until like my early 20s. But, but yeah, like I've noticed over the years, the increase in people coming up from the city hanging out up there the amount of trash increasing the amount of traffic uh yeah it's just it's bound to happen people are going up there to party maybe have a couple drinks and they just don't they just don't know 
yeah. not experienced. And it's just, and just like by, you know, volume, just by sheer numbers and a percentage, like the more people like go up, there's bound to be more accidents. Correct. Correct. And there's uh you know, with the, with the social media and stuff like that, there's more info about what happened and stuff like that, instead of just keeping it to maybe something that happened tragically. And, uh, you know, we get more, hopefully more info will bring more awareness to people and more education that, you know, this is not just Fawn's Leap is, is just an easy place to go in for a jump. And it's actually uh, like tragic at times and stuff like that. So um, talking about Fawn's Leap, August 19th, uh, a woman escaped with only minor injuries after she fell more than 50 feet from a cliff near Fawn's Leap. Kingston Fire Department said they responded at 4.49 p.m. And also, you know, Twin Cloves Technical Rescue Team and the Centerville Cedar Crew Fire Department, Green County Paramedics, New York State Fort Worth Rangers, and Green County Sheriff's Office. So everybody was involved. They did a rescue plan. Firefighters uh, said she was located in Swiftwater. Took several hours, hours and uh, many specialized techniques, including twin tension rosipsum, which is a Two separate row systems used in a tandem to share the load. And the Kinks Fires Fires Fighters added she was rescued uh at 720 and was set into the hospital at around 8 p.m. So once again, someone who has nearly bit the bullet uh again at Fawn Sleep. So apparently this place is is prone to injuries and how do I say it? Stupidity? Is that is that uneducational? <laughs> yeah, just not educated. And another thing about like the social media is, uh, I'll I'll even see it. Like here I am out here in Colorado, but I'll you know I'll be like going through Instagram and I'll see something pop up about the beautiful cat skills or catter skill. I'm like ah, so much for <laughs> secrets, you know. And that's how everyone is. It's like it's like being here, uh, you know, like in the San Juan Mountains. People are like, Shh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's right. Tough not to share. Share it's tough not to share things. You know, people are going to go out and explore. And it's like, shit, the the city folk, they're only, what, like two hours from the Catskills? Yeah. It's so accessible. It's so accessible. Uh, I'm pretty sure they get bored of the uh, the breakneck climb pretty quick and end up traveling a little further north. Correct. And, uh, I mean, you being uh, out in Colorado right now, it's probably the same with Denver and the, you know, high peaks and area, Garden of Gods and stuff like that, right? You know, I mean, I'm pretty far from Denver. I can't, I can't hang out around Denver. It's way too populated. It's nuts. But I mean, having hung out there, so I flew, actually flew into New York to do the escarpment, uh, which I think you know about. Um, so I hung out up in Denver for like a week prior to that. And I, my girl and I, we didn't want to stay in the, in the city. It was just like loud and it was hot. So we drove up to like Netherland where it was a few thousand feet higher, it was cooler, quieter. And uh, so we, we drove up there to a campground. We saw some moose, but we also saw a bunch of people that clearly were like city folk, you know, just like the way they had their camp set up, the stuff they were they were wearing, um, and there and also like the amount of trash that was around. It's like that is those are the marks of the city folk. So if you're from the city and you're listening to this, don't leave trash. <laughs> don't leave trash and get educated and become one of them true mountain folk. Yeah, I agree. You know, and that, that's just what sucks is I'm trying to reach out to the more uh, you know, I, I know the educated listen to this podcast and I want to reach out more to the uneducated and get them to tell, you know, leave no trace, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's simple to, to, to bury, to bring your trash with you back home and throw it out in a dumpster or your own trash, stuff like that. It's, 
it's so it's so tough to reach out to that and i want to get it with the dec you know hopefully people like you once again like connecting making those connections and to get to to people that you know might not know would leave no trace and you know that you can throw away your your stuff when you bring it back home for two hours it's not going to smell bad in your car it's not going to be horrible i mean i've 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 ridden with like dog crap in the back of my car for six seven hours and maybe at the last like 20 minutes you're like oh man that starts to that's reeks that's horrible but (laughs) but so one more rescue and then we'll get on to the the episode so in shandaken on august 21st which was one yesterday so we're we're recording on 22nd which is tuesday forest ranger martin received a call from ray book dispatch about an insured subject on mount tremper at 3 10 a.m so 3 10 in the morning ranger martin made a phone call uh contact with a 36 year old from connecticut who claimed that he got in an altercation with his hiking companion and was believed he was being hunted like a predator oh my god <laughs> You know, this is a Josh is the first time I'm reading this, so that's why this is a natural reaction. <laughs> nice, that's hilarious. That's both that's simultaneously terrifying for them and like kind of hilarious <laughs> for the rest of us. I'm like, was this person on <laughs> shrooms? Yeah, right. The hiker twisted his ankle while escaping. Three more rangers responded with a six wheeler and found the subject at 5:50. So that took two and two hours and 40 minutes. His friend's a slow hunter. He was founded asleep off the trail. <laughs> nice. What about the other guy? Turns out there was no other guy. <laughs> right? That's where the shrooms come in. The guy ate the wrong mushrooms. So Rangers then found the hiking companion, a 31-year-old from Beacon, in the Mount Trumper lean-to. Interviews of both subjects indicated significant drug and alcohol impairment. <laughs> yes. Uh, saw that coming. <laughs> Both subjects were looked by Sandaken EMS. Dude, this is the best uh, crap I've ever gotten. So, Josh, I'm so glad you're on here. Dude, yes. that's, yeah, that's pretty funny, man. Oh, my God. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is great. I want to know more. I know, right? Uh, I got to get this person on the, on, the, on the podcast. Be like, what the oh hell happened? Significant. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I Hopefully mean, they're laughing about it now, man. You know, I I know. Why would you hike Tremper though? Tremper's a a bitch to get up. It is pretty steep. Yeah, That's a nice one. But yeah. but yeah, lots of bears. That's the thing that scares me, man. I'm like, I'm cool with everything, but bears frighten me. Yeah, and you're out west, so the grizzly bears are there, right? Correct? Have you? No, no, too far south, fortunately. Okay, okay. So that that's good, and I mean, sure is grizzly bears are a pain in the ass so all right so everyone uh thank you for listening and welcome to episode 89 of inside the line the catskill mountains podcast i have joshua reed here on here but it says on his uh on his thing that's joshua reading gutter what does that say yeah exactly so no one no one says it the way i think it's supposed to be pronounced and let's be real i don't even know how it's supposed to be pronounced the americanized way of saying that last name is Riedinger. <laughs> now i talked Riedinger. to i talked to someone from from germany because it's a german name and they said it's a southern german name and out there it's pronounced Riedinger. i'm like okay well that that fucking sucks i'm not telling anyone <laughs> that like that because they're not going to be able to say it right so they're going to keep messing it up hence why i just go with reed let's go okay with and people will say people will still say ride but i'm like Okay, that's a better mispronunciation than 
Rydinger or, or Riedinger or, you know, whatever. So, Riedinger. Yeah, so it's Joshua Riedinger, but I go by Joshua Reed. Okay, Joshua Reed, who um, recently won the 2023 in Trail run at two hours and 51 minutes, am I correct? And some change, yeah. And some change, but who cares about seconds? Nobody even freaking realizes about <laughs> seconds. Who cares about that? Um, and he also set the Devil's Path fast known time. Him and uh, Stephen have gone at it for the past couple of years, and I, I'm excited to talk about. So, Josh, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, officially. Yeah, and once again, you know, I love these smiles because a lot of people join this, and they're just like. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but you know, I told you before this show that it's a laid back freaking episode and you are already number one swearing, which I love. So that makes it comfortable for me <laughs> because I swear. And with people who don't swear, they don't, they don't, they don't swear at all. So is this your first podcast, sir? No, no. And that's probably why I've been, I've been on a, a few now and the first one, I was a little buttoned up and proper, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I've definitely loosened up as the episodes have gone by. Sweet. I'm glad uh, you are definitely loosened up because this is a, a laid back episode or a laid back podcast. And we just have some freaking fun talking about the cat skills. So let me get on with this. Thank you to the monthly supporters, Darren White, Vicky Ferrer, John Comiskey, Jim C., Michael Bongner, David Mead, Matt Smith, and Sharon Client. Thank you. For supporting the show also thank you to sponsors outdoor chronicles photography molly from outdoors chronicles photography specializes in adventure elopement and adventure couple photography in the catskills adirondacks and the white mountains she is also an officiate for getting married and a licensed guide but she is also a story maker molly won't give you just photos she'll give you memories that will last forever don't hesitate to get them a hold of molly on all platforms also, have you ever wanted to learn more about hiking and backpacking or even just brush up on some old skills in the backcountry? Check out Trailbound Project, a hiking and backpacking school. Scott and Joe from the New Jersey Search and Rescue Team have amazing backgrounds in Wilderness First Aid, Wilderness First Responding, and the Mountain Rescue Association, and they are there for you to learn old and new skills of hiking and backpacking. They teach first aid, map, and compass, and many other skills that could help you out and others while on the trail. So check them out on their website and social media platforms. They have daily updates and daily activities, weekly activities as well. So check them out. So, Josh, what are you drinking tonight, buddy? Man, I just got agua. I uh, let's see. I was chugging. Where's the empty bottle? There it is. Ah, empty bottle. This stuff's great right here. High quality, simply lemonade. Okay, <laughs> nice. Now the good dude. The store around here, they've been doing like if you buy five or more, it's a dollar seventy nine instead of two ninety nine. So you bet your ass, I'm buying five at a time and drinking at least like one of these a day. I mean, just like with all the training, I'm just smashing sugar and and carbs and whatnot. So yeah, I can't even imagine. How can you fit that? What what do you have a normal size refrigerator in there? No, I got a I got a cooler. It's uh I forget how many quarts it goes by, but uh but it's enough for two big bags of ice, two seven pound bags of ice, and enough food for uh for a few days. I make a lot of grocery trips though, you know. I mean with all the food I eat and like the fact that I have to keep getting ice and all this shit. So uh so yeah, no no refrigerator. That'll be in the next bus. No shit. Do you, do you have a vlog or blog that you're doing this? Because I am severely interested. No, nah, I've kept this pretty low key. The the whole like van life thing. Like if you look at my Instagram, it says like van life tendencies. 
uh, you know, but I'm not like posting a lot about what my van looks like. You know, it's, it's sort of in my stories, but I'm not, I'm not trying to give too much detail. And if you look at the outside of this thing, it doesn't have solar panels and AC unit and, uh, and shit hanging out the side or fucking mushrooms paint on the side of it or anything. Like it's very, it's very discreet. You know, it's, it kind of looks like a charter bus uh, and it just kind of, it just kind of blends in everywhere. Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to keep it discreet because when you stand out you don't, you don't want attention doing this lifestyle. Like you might think it's cool. People might think it's cool, but like, you know, not all law enforcement think it's the coolest thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> hooligans out there, you know, might want to mess with your shit. So, so yeah, I keep it, I keep it pretty low key. You need, you need to uh, spray paint on the sign. I'm poor. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Financially just... poor, otherwise rich. <laughs> <laughs> rich in life basically dude I, that's yeah. that's awesome you know my wife have been talking about that about the past couple of years of what we're, we're going to do when we retire and that sounds like what we want to do low-key but travel as much as we can and visit as much as we can dude money goes far with this lifestyle yeah I, but i won't be able to retire till i'm like 106 so well, Welcome with the to way America. technology's going, you know, the way technology's going in medicine, you'll probably live to at least 170. So, you know, it's a solid 60 something years of retirement. That'd be nice, right? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I wonder, dude. The world's pretty populated. Can you fucking imagine? Like, you have 20 year olds, you got 160 year olds walking around, you know, such different like generations. That would be chaos. That'd be crazy. That would be. That would be. So, uh, besides the escarpment trail, you've been on any previous hikes, sir? Any previous hikes? Yeah, so nothing local around your area that you're I mean, in. Oh, so many, dude. I mean, so right now I'm training for Grindstone. So I've been doing, uh, I had a couple of down weeks, uh, just like around 40, 50 miles, uh, just traveling around like for a scarment. But otherwise, I'm doing like 90 miles uh, up in the same wow. ones. So that's been, I've, I've checked out most of the hard rock course at this point. Uh, there's a few more sections of it that I want to check out. But yeah, I'll go out for like Friday. I did. 23 miles and it's like run hiking like it's steep it's high altitude so you're hiking the ups and then running the flats and the downs kind of uh and then saturday i ran 27 miles uh i only hiked like a mile so the, most of the stuff out here is like you can run a bunch of it some of the bigger mountain stuff you have to hike so yeah i'm doing a lot of hiking a lot of running a lot of training i'm getting ready for grindstone 100k which is in virginia on september 23rd so got a few more weeks of of big volume before traveling and then tapering down unbelievable dude so what's the, like the the elevation uh gain that you do during during a day like out there i uh, it's so the way i'm i've kind of changed up the way i train in a week i used to do kind of like the in, even amount of stuff each day like say i wanted you know twenty one thousand feet of gain in a week i would do like maybe two to Jesus. three thousand a day and then do like five to seven for the long run uh, but now I have a little bit more of a split. I'm trying something differently that's working for me right now. And that's pretty low vert uh, for like Monday through Thursday. But then I'm doing like five to seven uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I end up getting like 20 to 26 for the week. Jesus Christ. My knees are already hurting from saying from you saying that. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing, man. It's kind of I've I've really enjoyed like training needs to be inspiring. Uh, at least it needs to be inspiring for me. Like I'm not. I'm never really like putting my feet down and just like getting miles in because like I need to do them. Like I fucking love all the training that I do. And like when you're in the mountains up here, like the sand wander just so incredible. And the Catskills were too. It's just so easy to spend a big day. Like the miles tick by the vert 
uh, ticks by and you're just like enjoying where you're at. So it doesn't feel like so much work. It's just like, yeah, I'm out here, man. It's easy to spend hours and hours and just accumulate all of this, all of this volume. That's, that's what it's about, man. That, that is the positivity I look for. And I, I want to be, you know, that's, that's, you're an inspiration. That's, that's what it is. You know, I, I, it's, it's awesome. So recently I went on a hike up Huckleberry point, nowhere near the volume that you did, but, um, I got to lead a bunch of people on their 12 step program hike. Do you know what a pro 12 step program is? Uh, I believe that's AA. Yep. Um, okay. anybody who has had, had substance and alcohol, you know, abuse and stuff like that, who are joining to get over it. And, uh, it was a fantastic time. I met a bunch of great people and we checked out Huckleberry Point. Some people had never hiked before, and it was an amazing experience. They got to see somewhat of a beautiful view. It was, it seemed like the, the smoke was back in the area, but it might've been hazy. Um, but you know, they were just like, this was fantastic, but on, you know, Huckleberry point is absolutely horrible of a trail. It has a lot of mud. So it's muddy. Yeah. Horrible trail. Um, so they, they got to experience <laughs> Luckily it's short. Yeah. yeah. They got to experience mud. They got to experience water crossings. They got to experience a bunch of different things on the way down. We're about three quarters of the way down. And all of a sudden, you know, this one girl and her dog and, and a little four-year-old girl likes to just go up on the rim of the trail. And all of a sudden I hear screaming and I'm just like, Oh my God, you know, what is it? A bear attack? Is it a wolf, uh, not a Wolverine, but like a, a mink attack or something like that. And she's yelling wasp. There's wasp all around me. So I freaking run up and I grab the four-year-old. I get her out of there. Cause I know she is helpless. And I just run down the trail a little bit. Um, all of a sudden her father is sitting up there getting stung by yellow jackets galore. This other lady is getting stung, but she has a little small beagle dog and they're screaming like crazy. Luckily the father is a badass, and, uh, he was just like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, take the girls move, get the hell out of here. The other girl is rolling around in the water and the mud on the trail. And I'm like, I, I seriously say, you got to fucking move get down the trail. They're swarming you. And we, we start to move down the trail and she got stung like 15 times. It was absolutely insane. The little girl got stung twice, which we were very fortunate. So she was four years old. She got stung on the hand and on the side, her hand started to swell up. She was fine. She's a badass. Um, the other girl got stung 15 times and, uh, her dog was a little scared. So I carried her down the trail probably for like a half a mile or something. And it was a crazy experience. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It was just, you know, a lot of, a lot of things you can, that can happen during a, a little four and a half mile hike. I'll that just say, just, man, that was a crazy turn of events. Yeah, it was going oh, good. Man, such a nice day. Look at this great view. Oh my God. Run. Run. Dude, that's like yep. all you can do with those. Like what, what was it? Someone step on a ground nest or something? I, it must've, you know, the dog was tracking something and she of course let the dog track it. And luckily the dog didn't get stung. So we were, the dog was, was terrified of everybody else and like of what was going on because multiple, what's happening. yeah, the, it was just multiple people screaming. And, uh, you know, luckily like a lot of people just froze 
And I was just like, I ran back up and just grabbed everybody and told them to move because I'm just like, you know, they're going to swarm you and they're going to keep stinging you. Why are you staying still? Like I, I, and I, I felt like a, like a dickhead just yelling at them. I'm like, like, seriously, I said, you know, like I said, this, uh, I say all the time, my sponsors know what they're getting into. I'm like, fucking move, get down the trail, move. And we got down the trail. Eventually the, the one girl that got stung 15 times and the guy they're badasses. They just kept going on. The girl was fine. And she just started so talking. So much adrenaline. Right. And she just like, like just started, started talking like it was normal, like day. And her dog was a little shaken up. I carried her like a half mile and I, I let it down and, and it was fine. So she was just terrified of everything, but amazing, uh, you know, time to get amazing people, hike. Maybe, otherwise. <laughs> yes. You know, amazing experience to get maybe people, I, I was just like, man, I, I hope they're interested in hiking after this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I was just like, man, what a horrible introduction. Dude, I wonder if that girl like, I got stung 15 times was like tripping off of all of that wasp denim. Well, she uh, apparently she's hiked before in the Catskills, and she's just like, yeah, I've 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 dealt with this crap before. So I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm thankful for that. So. So crazy uh, uh, hike on on Sunday, which was the uh, the the twentieth. So crazy crazy stuff once again. Yeah, the but... Huckleberry like that trail going up to Huckleberry and Catterskill is so sloppy. Like oh, that whole horrible. Catterskill section is just, dude. I like I love the Catskills. I hardly ever did that trail. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those Catskills trails that you avoid. Be like, man, maybe I'll do it in the winter. <laughs> I'll just go up Indian Head instead. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So my that was my previous hike. So Catskill News, <laughs> once again, volunteer 3500 Club, Catskill Trail Clue, Catskill Mountain Club, Visitors Center, anywhere you can volunteer could make an absolute difference in the Catskills. Anywhere a local around you, it doesn't matter. Just volunteer, do some trail maintenance. It can make a huge difference in your local trail. So, you know, Josh, I don't have any Catskill Mountain history time today. Sorry about that. Uh, there's going to be some booze in the crowd. But usually I do a Catskill Mountain History thing, and I was going to do something about the Escarpment Trail, but uh, I couldn't find anything. Well, let's see. Historically speaking, Escarpment Trail, that's one of the longer-standing trail races in the States. Is that true? Yes. 1977 is when Dick Vincent came up with that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty rad. I had him on the the episode like three or four episodes ago. He's a pretty cool dude. I'll have to go back and listen because he is he is a cool dude. How old is he now? Oh Jesus, seventy something. Yeah, dude, he still acts like like he's too cool. You know, fucking like he's like a thirty year old just ready to go out and party and have a good time, man. Yeah, yeah. He's he hugged done. me. He hugged me like I was a a, a guy getting freaking wasted with him and stuff like that. I was just like, all right, hey, man. Big cut <laughs> on the back, yeah exactly he was like hey what's up man boom and i was like holy crap that hurt <laughs> i was like jesus but yeah so i don't have any uh history but i do have some sponsors so is it time for some new hiking gear in the catskills say no more camp catskill in tannersville has all your hiking needs footwear socks moisture wicking shirts freeze-dried meals catskill merchandise and more they have all the essentials for your hiking knees located in Tannersville and online. Check out Camp Catskill anywhere. If you're anywhere around the area, check out Camp Catskill because they have awesome merchandise. 
Also, if you're ready to hit the trails, make sure you take the scenic route. Scenic Route Guiding is here to help you with your goals, big or small, like Marcy or Slide or low in their sewers. Check out the Scenic Route Guiding and Gear Rentals on Instagram and Facebook for more information. Also, if you mention the podcast, you can get 10% off. Use the code MOUNTAINLION. All right. So, time to get on to the guest of the night, Joshua Redinger. Let's go. And his Escarpment Trail Run win and his Devil's Path Fastest Known Time. So, Josh, welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> there we are. Yeah, here we are again, introing you into the show. So, uh, so why don't you, uh, Josh, how about you give a background about yourself, sir? Man. <laughs> well, I grew up. I grew up in Red Oak across the, uh, across from the Catskills, like I said, but I never really got into hiking until I was a little bit, uh, later. I just like ran cross country when I was in middle school to like ninth grade. And then I started smoking cigarettes and kind of fucking off and rode my BMX <laughs> bike. So I stopped running for quite a while, but I rode a BMX bike, which was actually a pretty athletic thing to do, you know, doing tricks and jumps. It was very, uh, anaerobic, powerful, you know, coordinated movement. I felt like that was good for me, but did that for some years and then got a, <laughs> went to college, dropped that after two months. I was like, fuck this. And I got a job as a cable guy, continued smoking and drinking and just like traveling around. And, uh, being a cable guy the at the age of 19, dude, being a cable guy at the age of 19 is the best because everyone treats you like a fucking man. Like, dude, 19, I'm around a bunch of like 40 plus year old guys, you know, at the, at the warehouse in the morning. They're talking about their wives and shit. I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, just like travel, traveled around, get going to people's houses. It was an awesome life experience, but uh, my health was so shitty. I didn't go to the gym. I just ate terribly, and, you know, uh, and then smoked and whatnot. And then got out of that job, got into arboriculture, which was an awesome like job outside, hitting ground nests all the time, learn to run away. Uh, otherwise, like with the logs and stuff, that was pretty cool. Uh, still smoking cigarettes. And then a buddy of mine, Jim, brought me over to the Catskills. For wintertime, we did Flat Clove to Overlook, you know, a pretty mellow nice. trail that the round trip's only like 10 miles and I don't know, 1500 feet of vert or something like that. But it was awesome. It was freezing cold. I remember it was so fucking cold and I was like trying to roll a cigarette and I couldn't and I was so mad. I was like, I want this cigarette, but I can't roll it because my hands are too cold. Uh, <laughs> and then like shortly after that, I was like, you know what? I need to quit cigarettes and start getting, I don't know, like do something with my life. And like, remember when I said I was in middle school, like daydreaming? Like one of the routes, the avenues of freedom, I thought would be like, be a pro athlete. It's like, I'm going to be a good athlete. Uh, so I quit cigarettes at like the age of 25. I'm 32 now. And uh, and yeah, started started running. But like right when that happened, I I think I was in the Catskills, maybe going up Indian Head. And a guy was running down fast. And, you know, the Catskills are technical. Like coming down Indian Head's pretty technical. And I was like, Whoa, holy shit, dude running fast out here. He's like, yep, just finishing up like a 20 mile a day. And my mind was like, holy <laughs> shit. No, like what? You're moving like this at the end of 20, like you're 20 miles in, you're moving like this. And it just, my mind was blown. And then I looked at, I like Googled uh, devil's path uh, and like looked for speed records and stuff. And I saw Ben nephew's name and then boom, I knew who Ben nephew was all the time. I saw all the speed records and all of a sudden this world of athletic or, or like uh like elite trail running uh, came into my, yeah, came into my, my world and my, my know about. And so from that day, I was like, I'm going to get this record one day on devil's path. And so, yeah, I started training and six years later, I got it. Nice. That's my background. So <laughs> like, 
did you start like running just regularly on like kind of like pavement flat ground uh, at first or did you go right to the trails dude i hate i hate pavement i freaking hate it man um i i went right to the trails fortunately when wow. i lived in red hook it, there were some decent trails uh like in the bay so like bard college montgomery place tivoli bays there were good good trails uh no like really big networks but i was hardly even running at the time like i only needed to go out for three miles a day so that was that was easy uh because i'd run three miles and then blow my calves up and then have to wait a few days to run again <laughs> and you know i ended up doing that for like months and months and months before i was able to finally run like 20 miles in a week and what i would do is i'd run like a couple miles every like other day and then on saturday or sunday i'd go over to the catskills and run plat clove to overlook that trail that my buddy showed me and i'll just run that trail yeah basically every weekend i fucking love that trail and i would always i would always run it like in short shorts no water uh and like these super minimalist shoes which is how i blew up my calves all the time uh, <laughs> yeah and like all the better if it was storming and thundering uh, I just, it just felt so good, like animalistic and like freeing to be out there. Wow. And do that. And that's, that's even better that you grew up in and around the Catskills and you started yourself in the Catskills. That's uh, a very big inspiration basically to your start, to your like background that goes crazy into the whites, Colorado, you know, yeah. setting fastest known times. It's, it's very inspirational to people that, you know, the Catskills aren't just a bunch of little tiny hills that everybody thinks of dude they're, they're so underrated yeah i mean it's where i cut my teeth as they say but like the Cascades, you can get there are there are two thousand foot climbs you know uh there's a lot of big climbs and it's just it's so technical and engaging and i almost like it more than the whites and the adirondacks there's something about like i love views who doesn't love a good view right but like when you're in when you're in the Catskills, you're just like in this tunnel, like and if there's foliage on the trees because it's all just de- deciduous for the most part, except like some hemlock forests. You're just in this tunnel of green, and it's just such an awesome place to be. And you'll just run and and kind of just be on this trail, super engaged. And then suddenly, like you pop out of this, you're like, oh, holy shit, check that out, <laughs> and you enjoy it or whatever. Then you dive back into the tunnel. Right, awesome description. I love that. So you're also an independent coach as well. Yeah. Yep. I, I started personal training in, I want to say 2018. Yeah. And then when the pandemic hit, I, I shifted to things online and started doing more, uh, more endurance coaching instead of, you know, training people how to do a deadlift in the gym or something. I started doing more research on nutrition, more research on endurance, uh, athletics, you know, particularly running, studying, well, studying running, uh, and strength. And yeah, now I feel like I have a pretty kind of complete package to to give to people to help them go from wherever they're at to get to where they want to be. What's that independent uh, coaching that you work for? So uh, a buddy of mine, when I started getting into running, I kind of got into optical course racing right off the bat because I have a little more muscle than you know most runners. So I put my biceps to use and ran and did monkey bars and carried you know a bucket full of rocks and stuff. <laughs> and, and that and that was pretty good. But there was a guy that I would compete with who was one of the more prevalent coaches in that scene. And he saw me as kind of an opportunity to help him understand more mountain uh, mountain sport because he's more of like a hybrid athlete. He's uh, like track background, marathon and shorter distance sort of stuff. Whereas I kind of immediately started getting into ultra longer distance mountain stuff. So we decided to work together so we could help each other out. He'd get info from me. I could get info from him. We could bounce ideas off of each other. 
you know, help each other with clientele. If you had someone who wanted to do mountain stuff, they could go to me. If I found somebody that wanted to do more hybrid work, they could go over to him. And uh, so, yeah, his name is Rich Ryan. He's got a great Instagram profile if you're into hybrid athletics, which is growing in popularity right now, you know, running and lifting heavy shit. It's kind of like CrossFit and running. You know, he's a, he's a great guy to follow. But otherwise, I'm the one that's providing all the programming for everybody. I'm just doing it through Training Peaks, uh, which is a great platform. It's, it's like Strava on drugs. Uh, but all the kind of drugs you take and think that your friend's chasing <laughs> you, you know, I'm trying to kill you. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great platform for uh, looking at data, collecting data. Uh, yeah. And so people go on that platform and then I can like post up in a calendar and then they can see everything in the calendar. They can execute it. Their watch will upload to it. I can look at it. It paces, heart rates, all that stuff. And it for their, their progress, or like where switches need to be made. And it's a lot of fun, man. It's uh, it's very uh, nice. analytical. Yeah, excellent. So I, I I'll I'll tag uh, Rich Ryan in this, and he has a podcast, correct? Rich Ryan does have a podcast. Yeah, he's actually done a few. He has the Reinforced Running podcast, and now he's on another podcast called Race Brain. Uh, he's a very ambitious guy, but he's got great information and uh, love doing this shit. And then he has another podcast uh, that he Jesus. started with somebody else. What's nice, though, is there's not a lot of overlap. Like, they all are quite specific with their topics onto themselves. Um, and that third one, I think, is called The Mile Hybrid Show. Because him and another guy live in Denver, which is a mile above sea level. And they are hybrid athletes. Yeah. So it's The Mile Hybrid Show. Awesome. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tag that. Uh, you're on one of those, correct? Uh, so Rich Ryan and I, we did some podcasts in the past. If you were to scroll way back on the Reinforced Running podcast, you would hear him and I talking about uh, some various stuff like like strength training and nutrition. But I, uh, I just like life got kind of busy, and just podcasting was like kind of too much for me. You know, with all this traveling around, having to be somewhere where there's uh, Wi-Fi, and diving into a topic every week and having to do it. So it was just a little bit yeah. much for me. Cool, awesome. I'll tag some of that in there. So. So the Catskills aren't your your playground, really, like as of right now. So where else have you have you done some stuff at? I mean, the Catskills definitely where I've done the most. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's raining. Did you close that window? Sweet, it's starting to rain out here. Some sun showers. Oh shit! Yeah, I uh, yeah, Catskills where I've done most of the stuff, like the Catskill thirty five. So I've done all the you know quote unquote bigger ones. Which, by the way, total yep. bummer that I think a couple of the a couple of the mountains were private and they kind of like officially closed them to the public. Yeah. You know, Graham and double top. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I called, I called ahead of time, you know, uh, kind of told him that I wanted to go up there, but, but I don't blame him, but there's a record held by Mike Studi. That's uh, you know, it's the Catskill 35. And I'm like, well shit, now what do you do? Do I call them again and be like, Hey guys, make an <laughs> exception just for me so I can go after Mike's record. Uh, Cause I think that'd be pretty freaking sweet to do, or we're gonna have to make something entirely new, fun. you know. But uh, but yeah, I got up to do the lights. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's only it's only what 140 miles and maybe 40k a gain, or something like that. So it's, do it. It's like the Nolan 14 of the Catskills of New York. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> one day. So yeah, the Catskills. The I kind of went right past the Adirondacks. I don't know why the Adirondacks just don't speak to me too much. Couldn't tell you why. Uh, I like the whites because they're so exposed. So I have a I have a feeling we we both had the same thing. It's the the hiking in for three miles and then starting your elevation gain. It's just absolute nonsense. I like to start the elevation gain right away and to freaking get brutally murdered 
absolutely right away instead of doing that torture of three miles of nothing <laughs> maybe that's part of it i think we had maybe that's part of it it is and it's also it's very it's very populated you know i like it, the catskills it might be yeah. very populated on 23a you know up, up kind of basically around right that strip but as soon as you kind of get out uh, especially on a weekday you can kind of get away from people but i feel like the adirondacks are always really packed yep so maybe that's just me not exploring go- enough and going to some of the further out peaks but maybe I just don't want to drive that much and be out there uh, and do all that travel. Whereas the whites, I feel like yeah. I can hang out in in, uh, in Jefferson uh, or Conway and just have some awesome shit right there. And yeah, it's populated as well, but I feel like there's a little more space on the trail. I feel like a lot of the Adirondack trails yeah. are a little tighter. Uh, so, and the, Adirond- yeah. and the Adirondacks just are so exposed. You get above tree line, like the Prezi. I love it. You climb it and then you're above tree line for like eight miles. And it's just another planet. It's too cool. Yeah. Good. Uh, you also, do you hike out West a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like the word like hike. I cut, it's like, I put everything in Strava as a run. It's like, yeah, I'm hiking, but I'm running every second I possibly can. Like if it's a 30% grade, probably. And you know, it's at 12,000 feet. I'm probably going to hike it, but I'm going to be running real soon. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing so much running out here, man. Like I said, the, the San Juan mountains are, are pretty spectacular. So the San Juans are lower lower west part of colorado and it's where like telluride uray uh silverton oh wow so some of those yep. some of those places and uh yeah i mean it's just it's phenomenal hard rock's definitely the most well-known race that that occurs uh in the area but there's a lot of cool little races and and routes not too many fkts which is kind of surprising to me uh maybe it's just the the culture people are like Oh, what do you think? You're so cool. You're going to FKT it. Just leave it as a Strava segment. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll go try and put things up on the actual FKT board, but that's something I really enjoyed about the Northeast is there are a lot of FKTs. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's a good handful in the Catskills, which I think I had, I had like five of them for a while. And then, <laughs> and then Steve and, you know, Ben had them all and then Steve made the rounds. Yep. So uh, it's funny. You talked before about like Steve and I going back and forth. That was inspired by, by uh, nephew and Josh Burns. So Josh Burns and nephew would go back and forth on some things. Uh, nephew would usually end up on top after enough tries. And then that shit just stood for <laughs> years. I'm like, Devil's Path stood for like five years or something before I did it. Uh, so I tagged that and like Cornell Wittenberg slide and, uh, and Hunter Mountain and uh, Black the Blackhead, like Lollipop Loop. And then Steve went around mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he took a bunch of them. And uh, yeah, I think Steve and I would go back a little back and forth a little bit on that. Good. Awesome. That's so crazy. Did you hear my dogs? The dogs. Yeah. Did you hear them? I didn't. They're freaking going insane. I seriously don't know what they're going insane about. Are there, I, are there wasps? Oh God, that would be horrible. Uh, my, my dog, my one dog from Jamaica will probably eat them. So that, that would be absolutely insane. Wait, your one dog from Jamaica. Yes. Give me more. So we went down to Jamaica one time and this dog kept following us along on the, on the beach. So of course my wife is insanely in love with dogs and she kept feeding it. The dog kept coming around with us and then she's just like, Hey, you know, maybe we could save this dog. And we're like, okay. I'm like, but we're out here on the beach. Let's freaking enjoy the beach. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, whatever. So (laughs) A, a person comes along and just like looks at the dog. She's like, this dog is pregnant. And we're like, what? And she's like, yeah, she's like within probably a week or two of being due. And my wife 
instantly inserts into panic mode and has to save this dog's life. So we 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 eventually don't get enough time to save this dog's life, but somebody well not life, but save this dog. But another person steps in and rescues the dog. And there's only two shelters on in Jamaica. And I don't know if you've ever been down there, but there's wild dogs all over the place there. It's just it's crazy. It's third world country. So this person saves the dog. She has two babies and they're adorable and nobody adopts her. So we eventually adopt her and her name is Dahlia. And we we save her, we save her life, and she's here and she's an absolute insane dog. It's it's ridiculous. That's why we named her after the band the Black Dahlia Murder that I like. <laughs> you in the metal? Yes, definitely. Cool, man. Yeah, first show. You ever been Good. to uh you ever been to Oh, what is it? The Chance Theater, Poughkeepsie? Oh, hell yeah. A million times, probably. Oh, dude, I saw Exodus there. It was fantastic. <laughs> right on. Yeah, you're into like heavy stuff, man. I went I went and seen uh, like After the Burial and uh, August Burns Red, uh, As They Lay Dying, <sighs> Evergreen Terrace. There's been some good ones there. Damn. Dude, we are best friends. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that was a long time ago. Dude, I, the, I went to a show when I was, I think, 19. That's when I saw it all, literally all at the same time. It was uh, like Evergreen Terrace and Misery Signals, followed by August Burns Red. And they were opening for As They Lay Dying. And I'm like, these are the openers? Oh. Like, oh my God, it's so good. August Burn Red comes on. They play the song Composure. I'm in the pit. I get punched in the face. I get concussed and there's blood everywhere. I have to sit on the stairs, like outside, <laughs> outside the venue because uh, my head hurts too much to be in there and listen to As They Lay Dying. It was too loud. Uh, great experience. Great time. Really great. Dude. Wow. Awesome. You know, I... I just actually saw August Burns Red last Christmas. They had Christmas Burns Red. Oh, here. yes. And, uh, uh, dude, Era and, uh, uh, my God, just a bunch of different amazing bands that was just Phineas. One of my favorite bands was there. And I don't know if you've, have you ever heard of Phineas? No. Ah, uh, dude, if you like metalcore, these guys are the elite of metalcore. Yeah. So send me, send me something after this. Sweet. So God, Josh, you are the coolest. I'm sorry. Metal, metal, metal. Let's let's get on back to the discussion. Let's try to get away from metal, but I don't want to. <laughs> the dog, backtrack the dog. Uh yeah. yes. <laughs> Once again. Um, so uh you just did the escarpment run. Uh how was your first was that your first experience? So that was my second experience. I actually met second. Steve doing the first one uh years ago. Him and I had actually I forget who put it together. I don't know if it was Michelle Merrillis or somebody else, but she was there along with maybe just like seven or eight of us all in all to do a like practice run of the Scarman Trail. And I ran that with Steve and we became like best friends. And then, yeah, I guess the real race was a couple weeks later and it was so hot. And I was still pretty early on in my whole fitness thing. And I just had a terrible, terrible race. It was so uncomfortable. I ran like 3.30 something. Okay. So I, you know, I... I went into a little deep dive in and I was just like, I'm going to look in the past like five, six years to see if Josh actually participated in this event because, and I didn't see you. And I was just like, it's no way that this guy participated. And then a two did a two fifty one in 2023. So you, you actually did. So, <laughs> so was there, and I had run it, I had run it before as well. So yeah, I knew, and just the Cascos in general, there's kind of consistencies with the trails and what to expect, you know, the skill sets that you need to be able to run those trails. Well, what did you think of your your second time? Was it 
fantastic? Was it tough? Was it? Oh, uh, it, it. You know, for the most part, it couldn't have gone better. Of course, I would have loved to go a little bit faster, put a little bit more pressure on Lee's time. But the the fact of the matter is, the the climbing there is non technical. All the technicalities on the descents, uh, you know. So the the climbs, it's an absolute fitness challenge and or fitness test. And he's he's fitter and lighter. I just got some some work to do there, but I I couldn't have been happier, man. I mean, I was kind of experimenting with a new uh, like nutrition protocol going into it. Basically, it's consisting of drinking Gatorade all day the day before and really saturating my glycogen stores beforehand, oh, and wow. then having a really good nutrition program, uh, kind of pushing the calories in the race, doing like I think maybe three to recount it, but it was maybe like three sixty or three hundred eighty calories an hour wow. during the race, and and yeah, the weather was pretty cool. The trail wasn't too wet. Not that I think it made that much of a difference. Uh, and I got to got to basically lead it from start to finish. Yeah, I was stoked. <laughs> no, Super happy. It was a good day. Awesome. So you did it two fifty one. What was the record? Like two forty two or something like that? I believe it is two forty two. Wow, you were so nine minutes. That's that's close. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's like, oh, it's so close, but like, it's uh, yet it's so far. You know, but I can see where all the time was. I mean, there was, he had, I think it was two and a half minutes on the, the first climb. I think he had maybe five minutes on the second climb. I really did not have a great climb up, uh, uh, Blackhead. Climb. And yeah, yeah. And then he had a couple of minutes on me on Stopple. So I was, I was making a minute, making up a minute on the descents. He was getting, you know, three plus on all the climbs. So that's there. So that's what you get. Are you going to keep going back and trying to, to set that record, sir? I most certainly will go back at some point, but I don't know when that's going to be because okay. it's it's on the East Coast in July, you know, and July is friggin' hot, man. Like, there's a reason van life mostly takes place out out west. <laughs> it's because it's dry, it's dry, um, and it's a little bit easier to get to a climate that's that is tolerable, you know, uh, while living in a vehicle yeah. like this. And and yeah, the East Coast in summertime is not an awesome place. The mosquitoes, the heat, the humidity. It sucks. So yeah. this past year we had flown in uh, mostly to to surprise my mom. It was her 70th birthday. So sorry, my everyone knows how old you are now. But uh, we we flew in the surprise her. It just happened that this garment was the next day, and so I went to sign up, and, and Dick was like, "Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, let's go." Uh, so that ended up just kind of working out. So I love the race. Don't know when I'll do it though, because dude, there's so many races in this world. Like, what to choose? There's so many. Um, and escarpment is like this legendary, like, I love the East coast. There's some races where you like get that kind of like local legend status, you know, it's just like, they mean a lot to the local community and they're just rad routes, but like the real, like the big boys there, it's a lot of West coast races. It's a lot of, it's a little lot of stuff out here, you know, where, where the real competition is, you know, a greater density of competition yeah. as well as density of races. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, um, one of the big thoughts I have with trail running is that it's physically challenging, of course, but like mentally challenging is, is got to be the name of the game. Um, how do you push through that mentally challenging parts? <laughs> like that's got to be insane. This is a tough one, man, especially as a, now I hear him. Yes. Is you that hear the Jamaican it? one? Yes. <laughs> yep. That's the Jamaican dog. She doesn't, she doesn't yep. react well to any other dogs. Yep. Uh, quick aside, have you seen Cool Runnings? Yes. Just making sure. Okay. Okay. Yaman. Yeah, Yaman. Yeah, 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 Just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah. So uh, it's a tough one, especially as a coach, to like try and teach the mental side of things. 
everyone's different. You know, some people want to go Goggin style and be like, who's going to carry the boats, you know, and they get like mad at shit and, uh, and that works for them. And other people are like, you know what? I'm just grateful to be out here. Here I am. I'm going to do my best. And that works for them. It's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to coach. But like for me, I feel like it's just always kind of come naturally. I always kind of wanted to be like a Navy SEAL or, or some sort of badass and just to have all these skill sets or whatever. And between that or whatever sort of like innate thing I feel, um, maybe it's genetic because my dad liked to run run through the woods. He wasn't an athlete. He just liked to like run through the woods, like feel like a Native American or something. Uh, maybe I got a part of that. But it doesn't suck at all, man. It doesn't feel mentally mentally hard. To me, it's uh, it's like, fuck yeah, I'm out here like an animal. Yeah. Uh, literally, like what, what is a human? A human, we're just, you know, we call all these other creatures animals. Well, maybe you can instead of saying like a tiger is an animal, no, a tiger is a tiger, you know, a uh, wolverine is a wolverine, a human's a human, but all of those are animals. So, you know, this bipedal creature running down the trail, like it just feels very natural and it feels kind of rooted to something that's very, very pure and fundamental as a, as a human. So it feels very right. And also it's just like, there's always gratitude for being able to do it. I'm like, man, I'm not injured. I'm healthy. There's people that are like sedentary and stuck on a fucking couch. And it's like, here I am able to climb to, you know, 13,000 feet and get this Vista. Like that is, I've, you know, I've worked hard for that and it's such a gift to be able to, to do it. So there's just, there's always like this positivity around it. So it never, it never sucks. It never really, you know, maybe it, it like it hurts, but I'm like, oh, okay. It's I'm 15 minutes in time to consume hundred calories, you know? Oh, I'm an hour in. I drink a liter of water. Like, there's just kind of things to think about as I go through it. But otherwise, it's a it's a good time. Wow. So it's a, it's a positivity that you're you're out there challenging yourself, pushing yourself to another level to basically achieve something that you you haven't achieved before. Is what you you basically see and and what you want to do. Yeah, and I'm just I I feel like there's a lot of ways to get into an altered, an altered state, you know, like a, like a, an altered state of consciousness, you know, whether, uh, whether it's like a psychedelic or, or weed or, <laughs> uh, hey. or, or yeah, yeah. A substance or something, but like running also can do that. You know, you got like a lot of endorphins, your heart's pumping really fast, just right? a bit of adrenaline. It's like a really heightened state. And uh, one of the reasons I love the Catskills so much is because they're so technical that, you can't really think you have to go you have to transcend thinking and enter flow state where you are literally able to react quicker than your prefrontal cortex can actually process information. So like flow state is the superior, it's not even a thought process. It's a, it's just a, a brain function where you can, where you can act in a superior manner to actually like thinking, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's like, you see that rock, but you don't even like, you're not really thinking about putting your foot there. You just do. And you, and then the next one, you're just flowing, floating over the train. You're not like intellectualizing like, oh, here's a rock there and there. And that one's mossy. Like it all happens so quick. And it's such a fun, unique state of mind to be in. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the way I, I see it with you guys is basically, you know, you're, you're running down the trail, you're going down on the descent and you're just like, you have that adrenaline rush. Like, man, I'm making some freaking good time. And then you get that huge adrenaline rush to go up and you guys like, I'm sorry to say, fuck. Yeah. I'm going to freaking push this to the ultimate max. So it's, it's the adrenaline rush that you guys get. And it's like that high of just pushing it to the next level of yourself. You're like, man, I can do this. I can do this. You guys are insane. 
<laughs> Dude, yeah, it's uh I, I also would be lying. Like there's the whole flow state thing where there's kind of like this lack of intellectualizing what's happening. You're just kind of feeling things. But also sometimes I'm thinking about it, I'm intellectualizing what I'm doing. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, this is some alpha shit. You know, it's, it's empowering. It's empowering, you know? So so yeah, that's there. It's there. I agree. I agree. Um uh so with the the escarpment run, was what what part was the most challenging for you? I, I mean, the the climb up Blackhead, you know, I would have loved to run the entire thing, uh, but I just felt like my calves were, were going to cramp up because training at altitude, I'm getting a really good cardiovascular stimulus, you know, breathing heavy, uh, there, you know, there's less oxygen availability. And so I'm definitely straining my aerobic system more, but that's been potentially keeping me from really pushing my legs muscularly and metabolically. And I really felt that at the escarpment where I was able to to breathe fine. I was very comfortable, like from the, the waist up, but my legs were working very hard. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, That's wasn't really awesome. able to push that super steep climb, but still you crushed it. Uh, I mean, you didn't crush the record, but you still crushed the time. I'm trying to remember, I should have wrote down what the next person was behind you. Do you remember the, the second uh, place person? I want to say Dawson was, I believe it was Dawson. I want to say he was a little over five minutes i don't remember if he was 257 and change i want to okay. say i thought yeah. it was a little bit more than that i thought it was like 302 so but no i think he was i think he was under three so it was either 59 or 57 but i'll, I'll, I'll say still, 57 he was uh it's good yeah 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 he was climbing good he's a young kid too man i always get really inspired you know the younger someone is it's almost like i see they have a, a longer runway in front of them more more opportunity you know they have more time to do this stuff so the fact yeah. that he's uh you know whatever six seven eight years younger than me uh, <laughs> he's already able to he's already able to do that i'm like dude got a great yeah. future man keep it going as long as you're having fun keep going yeah and it's funny you say six seven eight years you're just like damn that's a long time <laughs> <laughs> oh Shit. my god man i mean you know i don't i wouldn't change anything about my my life but i definitely acknowledge the the differences in ability between myself who really got into to running at the age of 25 after putting on a bunch of muscle by the way like i did a lot of weight training in my early 20s and you know i'm, I'm 40 pounds heavier than most elite runners uh but like the guys that just like ran from a young age through college, didn't burn out, had a healthy relationship with it, and continued on. Those are the guys that are making huge waves right now. You know, the 14 minute 5Ks or sub 14 minute 5Ks in, in college, and then found trail running. You know, those guys are those guys are doing some crazy stuff right now. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, the funny thing is, is me and my friend when we were hiking, we were hiking the other part of the escarpment. I probably saw you at one time because we came in at like three hours and six minutes. So you were probably somewhere standing around. So I kind of regret don't like, I, I have no, to be honest, I had no clue who you were before. I had no clue who anybody of run the escarpment. So I probably could have said hi to you at the time. So I'm sorry about that. That's right. Our, our spirits were, <laughs> they, they matched. <laughs> they were there. I, I was basically saying, God, these guys are freaking psychos. <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah so um next topic devil's path fastest known time so you and steven have been going at it back and forth so what's the deal with that you saw him set it and you were just like screw this i'm setting it again 
Well, so like I said, Josh Burns and Ben Nephew went back and forth on it a couple times. They were in the low five minute area. Ben finally did for 53, 53 and change. I want to say 53, 46. Uh, and yeah, I finally, like I said, when I kind of got into running, I found Devil's Path. It's like, I'm going to fucking get that. Six years later, uh, I, I really actually made a good attempt at it. Uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to do it fully self-supported. I'm like, I'm going to park at Spruceton and bike to the start. So I biked like 27 <laughs> miles with over a thousand feet to try and actually set it. My legs ended up blowing up and I ended up uh, basically hiking down West Hill. I was just so dead and ran like five, 15. It's like, all right, I'm going to get driven next time. Uh, and then, <laughs> so I forget how long after that was, but yeah, ended up doing like four thirty-five, like, really fucking took some time off of it uh you know so yeah. days and i mean yeah dude it was just one of those days where like everything lined up like absolute flow state good nutrition uh decent uh temperatures it was nice and cool uh cool temps are usually better for for running faster and yeah ended up you know chopping off 20 20 minutes off ben's time and then steve's wow. like man i want to do it i'm like steve you you should please do because that'll make me more stoked to go for it again. <laughs> and so Steve finally, Steve finally did. And he chopped off a minute. I'm like, you bitch, a minute, a minute. Damn. So, but then, but then Jack Kenzel. So I don't know if you saw, but Jack Kenzel has the supported time. So yeah. devil's path is definitely a route that traditionally has been done in an unsupported manner. Like you get water going up plateau. You can get water. Uh, if you just decide to drink from it from the spigot, uh, uh, two fourteen, and then you can again get water if you have a water filter, uh, because I don't filter the water on plateau, but you could use a filter for uh the what bridge? What the hell's uh, the bridge? Diamond Notch, I think it is. Yeah, between Hunter and West Hill. Yeah, uh, the, the so, waterfalls. Yeah, so so you can do it on you can do it unsupported pretty easily. You just you know got to spend a, a few minutes to do the whole water filtration thing and all that jazz. But Jack kind of just showed up. Uh, he like ran the route once. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with logistics. I'm going to get some people to just like hand me stuff on the route. So he ended up having people hand him stuff on the route. He ran 413 and change because Jack's a monster. If you've been following what he's been doing. And yeah, that's what he, that's what he did. So, you know, they're different categories. It's like he did it supported. I did it unsupported. Uh, but when I went to do it, I wanted to beat Steve's time, but I also want to get close to Jack's time. So I was like, I'm still going to do it in an unsupported fashion. So wow. I did go for it again. Um, I was making really good time. I, I thought I was actually going to get pretty close to Jack's time. However, uh, when I got uh, over Mink Hollow, I started having, was it Mink Hollow? Yeah, going to Plateau. I had a little bit of twinge in my leg. I was like, oh, shit, that's like the adductor cramp up thing. I'm like, all right, bro, pull back to, pull back to the effort just a tiny bit. And so I ended up running on, like not as fast as I felt like I could have had I – run the route maybe a few times beforehand uh let me clarify on that like i've run devil's path probably a dozen times now but when i set the record this most recent time the unsupported one at 424 or whatever it was uh i had just come from the west coast and hadn't really done any technical running like that or you know in the cast skills like sometimes you have to take really big high steps because there's kind of bouldery stuff that really takes a lot of muscular strength it kind of stresses the adductors and i just i hadn't gotten my legs my cardio was good but my legs weren't used to that terrain and so I started to like cramp up a little bit. So the effort felt great. My legs and I felt great after I recovered really good from that. Cause I couldn't push as hard as I wanted to. Uh, but Steve, I don't think he's going to go for it again. I don't know. He's still working on, he's got some things to figure out. He, he doesn't really stick to a, a training plan. Steve, if you're listening to this, I'm calling you out. Yes. Uh, 
He's he was on this before, by the way. He was he. I I had him like two days after he set the fastest known time. So he's no hopefully he'll listen to this. Good, good. Yeah, I do. I love Steve. He's an absolute spirit. He's so talented. Uh, but he, yeah, you know, he, he's kind of got a couple of injuries. I think he's crushing on the bike right now. But I think if you put it in like yeah. a, a really good specific training block and could actually stick to it, because he wants to go have fun doing these other things. He's not like really regimented on the training. Uh, yeah. So, so he could get it. I think if he wanted to, but, but anyways, Jack still has the overall record and I'm like, man, devil's path has got to go sub four one day. It's just like, that's the next logical step. Like it's just possible somehow. So I'll make another push for it. I'll probably nice. do it in this. I'll probably do it in a supported fashion just because I know that my, my stops for water and like figuring out nutrition and carrying, you know, that extra bottle, that extra like couple pounds. Um, I think that to do it in a supported fashion, I could probably chop off five minutes just like that, just from being supported. And then just kind of doing a, a couple more specific runs this time, uh, unlike last time. I think that that would all accumulate to the uh, 11 minutes I need to, to chop off to beat Jack's Jack's time. Nice. So, but yeah, maybe we'll go for it. A, a big question I have with the trail running is when you talk a lot of people talk about cramping how do you overcome with trail running that cramping within the time you have to to make like with me trail running you know cramping i get cramps i just freaking eat electric i just have electrolytes like crazy but you have that that certain sense of time that you need to like get this gone or or you're you're screwed yeah so you talk about cramping within within an effort within a race yeah. Yeah. If, if within a race, I mean, to try and figure out what led to the cramping. Was it a certain running style? And then try and take on a style of running at a gate that minimizes the use of that muscle that's cramping. Or, yeah, I mean, electrolytes. Uh, I think that they've shown that vinegar can actually be helpful. I forget the mechanism, but that's why, like, pickle juice or mustard or uh, – <laughs> Or, or hot sauce can actually all be useful. It's literally just the, there's a reaction that happens that your tongue senses and it tells your brain that like shit's okay. And it just causes that cramping area to just kind of release this science. It works. Well, wow. it works sometimes because here's the thing, a muscle cramp isn't always because of electrolytes. You just might not have put that muscle through appropriate strain. So that's why I say, you know, sometimes electrolytes aren't going to do it. You, I mean, maybe try that, do that, check in, you know, check in on your hydration status and all that, but you might just have to change the way you're running because you didn't train that muscle to do the thing that you're trying to ask it to do. So you got to change shit up, slow down, you know, you got to peel back the effort and the power and, uh, and yeah, just kind of keep going. But yeah, before the race, the, prepare the best that you can for the, the event that way your muscles aren't freaked out by the thing you're asking them to do. So if you know, you're going to take high steps in training, you got to take some high steps. Actually, the biggest thing that I, uh, changed for devil's path. The second time around was I took smaller steps instead of taking big hiking strides. I did more of what, uh, uh like a short running gait. So really small steps with a higher cadence. And that kept me wow. in more of this powerful range, uh, muscularly getting from really straining and stretching my muscles. Wow. Unbelievable. See, this is why you need an independent coach like Josh, because this guy will freaking tell you the shit that you need to get to be some of the best stuff or you need to push yourself to the absolute limit and have the best. Yeah. Right. Like unbelievable. Like that, that explains basically a lot of questions, you know, that I've had is just, you know, how do you guys freaking do this? And basically training yourself 
uh, you know, having your muscles adapt to what the terrain you're going to be doing, because going out West, you know, is, is completely different than out East and stuff like that. So I would, it's, that's awesome. What a great way to explain that is, is train yourself number one, and also the hydration and electrolytes can help, but it's basically the way you're stepping and stuff like that. Phenomenal. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that question. Also. So wrapping this basically up any close calls with while you've been out in the trail like any times of when you've been like oh shit i might need a rescue or this might not be a good time yeah um i actually i, I kind of like when those happen uh i don't try to really put myself in dumb situations <laughs> but i'll definitely push the envelope there's actually there's, there's a book that i feel like i've read uh abby's read and a bunch of our friends have read it's called bone games and uh, I guess it's by Rob Schultes, I think. And ultimately, it's this guy that goes into the mountains, ends up having an epic, like slides off the side of a mountain, needs to self-rescue because he has no service. Uh, he's going to fucking die out there. And he rescues himself. But what he realizes after he rescues himself to get back to the car, he just sits in the car and he's like, I don't know how I, like, how did I do that? He's ultimately talking about flow state, how he just transcended his previous ability. Um, and so, like, yeah, getting into, like, crazy situations can ultimately make it so you have to like transcend your previous self as far as you know your yeah maybe your ability or like you didn't know you could do something whether that's like climb out of a crevasse or or handle hyperthermia or something but yeah i've had a lot of those man um i feel like i feel like recently i'm not putting myself in too crazy situations because uh because of grindstone like i have a major race coming up so i'm trying to like mitigate that that injury risk by not going too wild but yeah i uh i think finally back to actually one of the first big mountains I did Mount Shasta, which is in California, nice. Southern California, beautiful mountain, by the way. I mean, the Cascades are pretty epic because they are, they're standalone volcanoes. So you're talking about mountains that are 14,000, but they have over 10,000 feet of relief. So they are truly massive. Like when I go into Silverton, I'm already at 10,000 feet. The mountains are only yeah. three to 4,000 feet high, but yeah, these mountains standalone are so, so tall, so much prominence. And I went up this route, Casabo Ridge, and it was, uh, I was going solo. And Casabo Ridge is one of the more technical routes. It's, uh, you're, you're on the side of like a 70 degree slope. So like you would be using wow. you know, ice tools, you'd be using ice tools and stuff. And if you were to have a fall, you would, if you didn't self arrest, you were going to pick up so much speed and slide thousands of feet down into rocks, uh, which would likely be fatal. So I'm going across this ridge. I get to this one section where you either have to go under this spire um on some on snow to the other side or climb up some rocks over it which was shorter and more direct and like when i was up there i wasn't sure about the snowpack the way that it looked wind loaded uh, around the spire and i was afraid i might trigger an avalanche and slide so i went for the rock i went for the rock route so i started making my way up the uh the rock i have crampons on my boots i have poles that i put away and i put them in my my pack i'm trying to use my hands but it's freezing cold out there and i remember grabbing onto this rock and pulling myself over and like, I can hardly feel my hand. And so I couldn't really sense how hard I was grabbing the rock or how good my grip was. was. It was just totally numb. And so I'm just like looking at my hand on this rock. And I'm like, if that slips, I fall back. I probably die. But I, you know, pull my, but I ended up pulling myself up over really slowly and grabbed another rock. There were like three moves. It was like a, a short sequence of a few moves that I, had to, that I had to get over. And each one of them, I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. <laughs> this, is, this is so fucking dangerous. Like I can't down climb. I'm committed. I, 
I can't, I can hardly feel what I'm doing. I'm just like praying to God or something like, and I ended up making it, making it over and just like stand there and be like, did it sick. Yeah. You right. Know? And then the, and then the rest of the day was awesome. But it's like, there's a moment where you realize like this either is going to be the best day ever, or my parents are going to get the worst call of their life. Right. Oh man. That's it. I've, I've heard of Shasta and I've, you know, it's funny that you do that all in one day. I uh, did. So this was pretty, this was earlier on. My fitness wasn't as great. So I ended up camping at what was okay. horse, horse camp. You go past Bunny Flats. It's like at 10,000 feet on the, on the west side or like lookers, lookers left of Castle Ridge. Okay. Yeah. My, my, one of my friends did that and I was, they did the camping and stuff like that right on the, the snow or the glacier or whatever it was. And I'm just like fascinated that you guys can do that. That's just absolutely phenomenal. Shaz is dope, man. I mean, I also, I think that that's a pretty accessible mountain. I think the Cascades, with the exception of like Rainier, to my knowledge, are pretty accessible to most people. Like it's high altitude, but there's a lot of non-technical routes. Like I did Castle Ridge, but it was technical. But you can go up like Avalanche Gulch, which if someone goes up before you, you basically have stepping stairs, you know, from their boots kicking in, uh, you know, and you can rent the gear and, and hop up there and there's guides out there. And uh, I think that's the coolest thing about guys. And, you know, I, one of your one of your sponsors, I think you said was a, was a, was a guide. But I think it's one of the coolest things because it, it brings people into the mountains and instills them with the skill sets and the confidence to go and do it on their own afterwards. And then, like, yeah. you know, it's just like opening a huge door to go do this stuff. Correct. Correct. And that's what they're there for. They're there for to teach you basically some stuff you might have not known and going up Shasta or Rainier, stuff like that. You know, I saw a reel on Instagram of Rainier today and I was just like, absolutely fucking not. I'm never doing that crap. I don't <laughs> feel like falling, not again, but I'm never going to do that crap where I can maybe fall into a, you know, 200 foot crevasse or something like that. No way. It's yeah. It's dangerous, man. You know, that's where, that's where part of the excitement comes, you know, with a little bit of with enough risk, there has to be the right amount of risk to get like an extreme amount of reward. If there's never risk in anything, you're not going to feel a heavy amount of reward. So, you know, man, push yourself on that downhill or like sign up for that race that you're not sure about, like you can push your envelope. Yeah. I, I maybe someday, maybe someday I've, I've been to some crazy stuff in the Canadian Rockies. We're doing some glacial walks, but nothing like, Ooh. like, like Rainier and stuff like that, you know, oh but my gosh. Um, have you been up to Canadian Rockies? No, but you mentioning Do Glacier it. Walk. Also, it's definitely on the list, but I'm pretty sure there's grizzlies up there. Oh, there was. We actually, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna one little sec, like we ran the into no. <laughs> a, we went we went up to a, a mountain on the the eastern side of of, of uh, the Canadian Rockies, and when we were going up, it was called Westwind Pass. We we're coming down. And, you know, my wife's checking out the trail, just keeping her head down, watching for all these roots. And all of a sudden I see a grizzly bear head pop up like 50, 75 feet away. And I'm just like, ha! and I like pull her pack. I'm like, uh, go back up. There's a grizzly bear. And she panic attacks and freaking runs. Oh, my so God. I take two pictures of this and then I like step down and move some stuff and it looks up again and then it falls down like like. A, a huge steep embankment. I'm like, oh my god, I killed it. Oh, I felt so bad, but but yeah, there's grizzly bears up there. But dude, you need to go up there if You're you want to see the most. Yes, <laughs> you need to go up there if you want to see the most beautiful place in in the world is the Canadian Rockies. Man, I uh, I look forward to adding it to the list. But I got to say, I've seen the High Sierra, I've seen the Andes Mountains, Patagonia. I've you know been here in San. Oh, Juan, okay. 
And every time I go back to New York, I'm like, the Catskills are more beautiful every time. I'm like, look at these luscious hills. Oh, God. Thank you. They're so beautiful. I love, yeah, man, I love the Catskills. Thank you. That's great. That's great to hear because, you know, everybody's like, oh, Adirondacks, White Mountains. I'm like, Catskills, they bring us back. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There's a, uh, so on the east side of the river in a town called Rhinebeck, there is a tower called Burncliffe Tower. That tower has potentially the best view of the Catskills during sunset that exists. It's one of the best views I've ever seen, period. I mean, with the Hudson River right there, which is such a massive river and the mountains and it's just like and like knowing the history and like both uh, both like uh, uh, of humankind as well as, you know, like Native Americans, as well as geographically uh, the glacier. And just kind of like seeing all that happen. Uh, phenomenal spot. I mean, one of the best things that I've, that I've ever seen. My favorite places, even though I've been to all those other places. This this guy knows the Catskills, so Josh recommends Fern Cliff Tower. I've been there before, and it's fantastic. So, Josh, uh, one one last question: uh, gear recommendations for for trail running. What do you what do you have to recommend? Well, I uh, that's pretty easy as far as footwear goes. Uh, on the East Coast, it's BJ shoes all the way. They have the best rubber compound on the bottom of the shoes. They're second to none. A lot of the rocks in the uh, on the East Coast are have that little bit of lichen and moss on them. Then it just almost feels yeah. like they're always a little slick and wet. And if they are wet, they're super fucking slick. So the the BJ shoes, I mean, the rubber just grips like nothing else. It'll, they're like suction cups. So I like to wear I wear the Extreme Twos for escarpment. And when I go for Devil's Path again, I'll probably wear that same that same shoe. Uh, when I did Dell's Path previously, I had done it in the IROC, which I don't know if they still put out, but the Extreme 2 has more of a substantial underfoot for protection. But yeah, they got awesome shoes for the Northeast. I will say out here, I'll, I'll give them a shout out, Speedland. I think they're doing some cool stuff. I'm using their shoe more out here because just the type of terrain, it's uh, it's not really a lot of wet stuff. It's very dry out here. Um, so they're, they're a rubber compound and the, the shoes is really comfy and it does really good for, for long days in these big mountains. But yeah, VJ shoes for, for East coast stuff. Otherwise, awesome. otherwise, man, as far as gear goes, I wear cheap, cheap socks from Amazon, cheap, uh, you know, <laughs> the cheapest, uh, under, uh, compression shorts I can find. No, no real special gear to me. It's the footwear, uh, uh, GPS work that watches, uh, Ooh, naked belt. That's a huge one, man. That thing is so good. Uh, naked so, what? It's called Naked Belt. So I think their Instagram is Naked Innovations. Uh, has nothing to do with nudity, but it, it's the belt <laughs> feel. The belt feels like you're hardly wearing anything. So I think belts are getting more popular. Um, I prefer them because I just don't like my chest being constricted by a vest. Um, if I got to carry a bunch of shit, which in the high country I usually do, uh, you know, just for safety and food and all that. I'll wear a vest, but like for a Scarman race, for some, if I'm only going to be out for a few hours, I'm wearing a naked belt. It can carry, it has three big pouches. It's super comfortable. Wow. There's no zipper or anything that can come undone. You literally like you step into it and pull it up and it sits on your waist and uh, it's sized. So it's not adjustable. So it's a one size. Uh, I should say it's not adjustable, but there's like, they have, you know, fucking 20 sizes. So just measure your waist <laughs> and figure out what size <laughs> is for you. But anyways, yeah, that thing, that thing's awesome. I can carry, you know, a jacket, headlamp two bottles a couple of snacks wow that unbelievable great. like this yeah. this stuff that's coming up is is absolutely fantastic so they're good things man <laughs> i got no uh i got no sponsors um i've kind of kind of by choice i've had some opportunities but i enjoy the freedom of just using what i want and not having to post shit so if you see me post about something on my instagram it's i really like it it's not because someone's paying me to to do so that's awesome 
That is that is fantastic stuff. So with you being a, a local, basically to the the Catskills area, I have a thing called Post Hike Brews and Bites to right. to recommend for places to eat in the Catskills. Get some some local uh, influence on where people should go. So what is your suggestion on after an awesome hike to go to in the Catskills? Well, considering Devil's Path is my favorite trail, and I've done it more times than basically any other trail, you probably know I'm gonna say Westkill Brewery. Everybody, it's right there, man. I love it. It's right, it's right there, dude. It's right there, and they're doing a nice job. Uh, you know, they got the they got the food truck there. Uh, they've I haven't been there in a little while, but they were working on the building. They got good brews. Um, I think they had a really good stout. I can't remember the, yeah. stout, the name of it, but. But yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool spot. I, I would love to shout out to, you know, an up and coming place that doesn't already have a huge following, but I just don't know uh, where those places are at. So yeah. West Kill is the place to hang. I agree. I agree. And that's, that's the thing. So um, how long you said you've been hiking the devil's path for a long time. Were you around when the West Kill was just starting? Do you remember those days? I... Uh, well, you tell me because I've never, so I've never really been a big drinker. Anytime that I've gone to West Kill, it's usually because of course. a friend and they're like, yo, we're going to the spot. I'm like, for sure. Uh, you know, I'll go and I'll, I'll get one beer and, you know, eat a snack on the, on the hillside that they have there. So 20, maybe 2016 or 17 is when oh, I yeah. first did it. Those are, those are the early days where they had basically pretzels to eat. I, I'm the same as you. <laughs> I don't, I don't drink, I don't drink beer. I like to drink like liquor and stuff like that. So I went there. And I was just like, oh, they're going to have food there. And they're like, yeah, we have pretzels. And I'm like, I want <laughs> I want a massive freaking burger or some pork sandwich or something like that. Do you pork have sandwiches. that? And like, we have pretzels. And I'm like, that's nothing after a hike. I'm like, I need freaking food. Yeah, I think things have changed. <laughs> yes, they, they have they have a, uh, a kind of permanent food truck in there. So uh, if you're ever back in there, check it out. It's got some pretty decent food rock and roll that's why i love this bus it's like uh it's like my food truck you know i finish a run i come back to it and i just like whip up a fat meal do you have a kitchen on the in there i got a coleman stove that i just bust down and screw a propane tank into yeah i'll give you a, i'll give you a gentle tour all right give you a gentle Sweet. tour. so so let's see this is the you know you enter here we got shoes my girlfriend's shoes oh some my of my God. shoes yeah i mean there's a there's a lot of shoes oh here's the bj here's the extreme this thing's fucking awesome, dude. This thing. Oh, those aren't like what I think it was. Wow, those aren't even like the 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 weird ones where it like shows your toes. I <laughs> know, dude. These things, these things shred. They're a little tight, like they're narrow. But when it comes to agility on those trails, you don't want to have any wiggle room. You want to have a fucking weapon. You want that thing to be tight. So, uh, so that's why I like those. So yeah, you know, this, mm, got a little curtain to close up, but uh, some books. Nice. Uh, this is like pantry this is the stove more food this place is basically all food dude we eat so much food it's unbelievable the bar where we've you know set up set up cooking bed ukulele foam wow. roller uh water cooler skis bikes uh spare oh tire chainsaw because i have a side job i'm doing with chainsaw right now but yeah yes. pretty simple pretty simple wicked man you are awesome i love it you are an inspiration man i appreciate it man i'll tell you what if you want to if you're looking to get into whether you want to like do van life full-time or you're just looking to build a sweet like adventure rig i honestly couldn't recommend a bus enough because like i looked at pro masters and sprinters and uh, all of these vans that people were building out 
And those things just as to buy it new as a shell, 40 grand minimum to buy it used. They held their value so much. I was still looking at like over 15 grand for something with 2000 miles on 200,000 miles on it. So, uh, so a buddy of mine, a mechanic recommended buses because, uh, they ended up having low mileage. It's a lot of stop and go, but these things don't get sold because they're broken. The school it's in their budget for a new fleet. And so they just get rid of the buses, get a new fleet. There's not necessarily anything wrong with these. And they were kept up to DOT standards the entire time uh, for their bus career. So, so a bus has one owner. It was, a, it was a school. It was kept up to standards for DOT. And, uh, and yes, there's so many of them that supply and demand, they go for dirt cheap. So I picked this up for six grand with 100,000 miles on it. It's a Chevy 2500. It's got a great motor, great transmission. All you got to do is rip the seats out. You got an empty shelf to do whatever your creative mind wants to do. So it is a good, it's a good financial decision. And it's, and it's very fun if you're a DIY person. Well, when I get mine, I'm going to send you a picture. It's probably going to be like I'll a look. week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Josh, thank you for uh, joining the show. Um, I just want to give a big shout out to this monthly supporters. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Uh, thank you to everyone who has donated. Thank you to everyone who is listening. Also a big thank you to the sponsors of the show. Really appreciate you guys sponsoring the show and supporting me. Keep going on with Josh here who made this one of my favorite episodes because it's the most lean back episodes I've ever had. I've never had anybody swearing or having this much fun and smiles as, as this. So really fantastic episode. Fantastic buddy. I'm glad to hear that, man. I had a good time. So shout out to all the sponsors, especially Molly yeah. up there at the mountains, taking photos of people getting wet and shit. That's cool. I know. It's so cool. I so follow her on, on Instagram. It's absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to, Josh- I'm going to, Josh, thank you for joining the show. Hopefully you can set many FKTs or anything you want to, man. Wish you luck in anything. Let's keep in touch, man. I I just got to keep hearing your stuff, man. I I really appreciate you joining the show. Thank you for those wishes, brother. I appreciate that. All right. Have a good night, buddy. Uh, Keep in touch. Yeah. Hey, send me that band. Hell yeah. Hey, guys. I just want to thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe and throw down a smooth review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast platform that you use. You can also check daily updates of the podcast, hikes, hiking memes, and local news on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the official website of the show. Remember this, you just keep on living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Wicked, 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 wicked.